Carl Frampton may have failed to make history in Dubai against Jamel Herring, but his legacy will long outlive his final career defeat. Frampton did indeed announce his retirement after the towel came in in the sixth round to bring the curtain down on a career which saw him win Celtic, Commonwealth and European titles before going on to become a two-weight world champion. He also brought us lasting uh, rivalries with the likes of Scott Quigg, Kiko Martinez and Leo Santa Cruz. We are going to reflect on last night's fight with Jamel Herring and indeed on Frampton's highs and lows and what has been an extraordinary career. I'm Martin Dom and this is After the Bell, Mirror Fighting's boxing show. We once again have Barry Jones and Declan Taylor with us. Barry, let me start with you. Was Carl's defeat last night partly, well, was it mainly down to Jamel Herring being bigger, better? Was it down to Carl taking, you know, biting off more than he could chew at this stage of his career? Or maybe a bit of both? You, you, in this situation, you're well aware of not giving, uh, making sure you don't do a disservice to Jamel Herring because his performance and his tactics were spot on. They really were. But I do think that ultimately it is to do with size. And even though there's similar ages and they both had, you know, similar sort of length of careers, more or less, give or take a three years maybe, Cal's had a higher career because he's boxed at a higher level for, for a longer time. So, I think, yes, I just think the weight was always going to be a factor. That's why I, I sort of picked Herring to win, because of that, only because of that. And so, and so it proved, yeah, it just proved that he was just too small. So the thing is, when when you're a, an aggressive counterpuncher like Carl Frampton, your presence puts people under pressure because they know how good you are. They've seen the power that you have. So sometimes you don't have to do a lot. Golovkin was the master. He wouldn't do anything, but he'd make everyone panic just by you putting that front foot in between your stance. When you're doing that against a bigger guy, your presence, your aura, you know, it's, it's just not as threatening. So they don't have the same fear and and make the same mistakes. And I think that was the case with Herring. He wasn't he wasn't worried by anything Cal was doing. Trying to Cal was trying to corner him, corner him off into the corners and onto the ropes, and by using the little subtle moves to the feet, and it wasn't working. And and pre- and he couldn't get the distance right. And Herring got off pretty well. So I think yeah, the size was a big factor, but. You know, he made the weight. He was he made the super featherweight limits. He wasn't under it. You know, and and, and so he's just, so for that night only, he was a super featherweight boxing for the world title. But yeah, he came he came second, and, and that's just how it goes. Declan, did the fight play out as you expected? Um, yeah, kind of. Actually, in boxing news last week, I picked Frampton to win because I thought that he could. You know, if he. The size was always going to be a factor, but I thought that if he could get in, get up close, I didn't think Herring was as good as he was on the inside. I thought he boxed really well when it was up close for a tall guy who's obviously got that size advantage. And I thought that Frampton would have to, you know, take a bit of stick, but could still see it out. But as it happened, he just couldn't. And because of the size difference, every time he tried to set himself and tried to do something, because he obviously it's one of those where because he's so far away from you, it takes a bit more time to set up and to and to think about it. And every time he tried to do that, especially the first couple of rounds, Herring Herring's jab was just so good and so accurate that it would just bang straight away. And then Frampton's got to reset and just start that whole process again. And then he started to Herring started to put things in behind it. Obviously, the uppercut was a bad one, 
and he, he couldn't really miss in the end. Um, I think we've spoken a lot about it with um, Chocolatito a couple of weeks ago and then also with Lomachenko last year. In the end, you get you get beaten by size, don't you? And that's what happens to the fighters who try and be great, dare to be great. They go up and up and up. And in the end, they just got someone too big. And I do strongly believe that if they were the same size, you know, and I mean, not Frampton going up, but if they were the same size, if they were both super bantamweights, I don't think Herring lives with Frampton because of what Barry spoke about, the counter-punching, the, the pressure, even though he's a southpaw, but because he's got just these physical advantages, they're just... He just couldn't get started, really. Amir Khan tweeted last night a picture, pictures of him and Frampton and him and Herring. Frampton looks like a little bloke next to him. And then Herring's like towering over Khan. You just think, this guy's massive. And on the scales, it didn't look great. Frampton, not, not much definition on him, but still reasonably drawn in the face. But Herring, like not an ounce of fat on him. You just think, this guy's going to be colossal by the time he's rehydrated and had some food and stuff. And that's just how it happened. Um and it's sad and it happens a lot. You look look through history, a lot of a lot of fighters end up beaten like that because they just keep going, they keep trying to be great. Frampton trying to become Ireland's first ever three world world champion. It's so the reason it's never been done before is because it's such a such a mean feat, it's such a colossal task, literally. Um and in the end it it went badly wrong for him. But Herring's best win of his career. Um I think he boxed better than I expected him to. Um and it was a sad way for Frampton to go out, but you know what what an amazing career that he can just look back on. He's made a lot of money, got a beautiful family. Um, I just hope that he can live with that as his last fight, if you see what I mean. Ricky Hatton couldn't, after he lost to Manny Pacquiao, you know, it affects boxers in different ways. I just hope that he can. I don't think it is a sad way for him to go out. I know it sounds weird because he got stopped and, and stuff. And, and maybe, you know, on paper, Carl's a much more talented fighter than than Herring right now. Who knows how well how Herring's career will will progress. But I think Frampton had shown... See, when, you, when you're winning fights, it disguises some of your frailties because ultimately you just remember the win or the stoppage or whatever. And Carl has slowed down dramatically, I think. And I, I think that's shown through, through a few fights. And... I just think at this, at this age and this stage of his career, when you know, Carl's got loads of ball. There's, you can't ever dispute that and how tough and how brave he is. And so all that, you can't even question any of those things. But when you get older and you take a shot, you can just see in their face, it's almost like, I don't need this. <laughs> yeah. where, where when you're 24 taking a punch, you go, oh, yeah. It's a different. It's just a different way because you, you're on the way up, and and you and you, and you're more ambitious when you're younger. That's just a natural. That's just a natural thing. So when he's been to the summit, even wants to get there again. It's a different journey, and you don't want to take all those hard shots or those 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 sickening uppercuts. So they'll kind of quit, and he and he's no quitting, Cal Frampton. He's shown that time and time again. But you can just see that that the same vigor is not quite there, and I think that's shown a little bit throughout the, his career of late. And I just think the timing was wrong for him. But he went out fighting for a world title, as we all wanted to. It wasn't like a, a guy who was who was never who was not very good in in a, in a non-title fight. It wasn't uh, that Gonzalez you know, who we had really hard time with. If you do the loss to him, that would have been uh, catastrophic. It was just a he just didn't have it anymore. He went to the well one too many times, and he couldn't just pull that thing that that something out of him. And being at the wrong weight, but you know, we all say that. I don't know. He chose to go that way. You can't. Yeah. He chose to go up the way. He's looking for to be great, and and it's it's only a few extra pounds. But obviously, for the smaller guys, those four extra pounds makes a huge difference. Carl wasn't a big featherweight, and we and we sort of forget that. He, I thought I didn't think he would 
I didn't pick him to win this fight. Um, but I wasn't confident with the herring pick. But I didn't pick him to do any good in featherweight. I thought he was a super bantamweight because he's shorter than me, and I'm not. I'm no giant, as as you know. He was. He wasn't even a, a massive super bantamweight either. He wasn't. No. You know, one of those guys who was colossal at that weight either. No, that's what I mean. So I, I thought featherweight would be maybe just one of those guys who just unfortunately the way he fights, he wouldn't have that presence, but he did because of his quality. But at super featherweight, it was just a step too far, and that's that's fine. This he went out reaching for the stars. Isn't that how we all want to go? We want to go out, you know, searching for that that next that next great win, that next great adventure. I think it's it's except for winning. But the thing is, if he wins, if he would have won, he's searching for the next thing. He's looking for Valdez unification or the next superstar in Shakur Stevenson. He's gonna go out on a loss because there's big money involved and there's greatness attached to that. So he's always gonna you're always searching for the next great thing. I don't think. I, I spoke about this before with boxers. I don't know if it's the same with other sportsmen. Whatever you do, nothing's enough. You always, and it's like that when you retire, and Carl's going to feel that now he's retired, actually. Uh, nothing's quite enough in life. You're always looking for that something extra because you've hit the heights of, of your, your ambition and your dreams. So you're always looking for that next big thing. And I think to, to be as successful as Carl's been, you have that, 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 that inside ambition where even though you, you're doing great things and everyone's telling you how great you are, you're always thinking that I can do a little bit better. I think I'm better than him. I can be the greatest Irish boxer of all time or or then one of the greatest small men of all time. And it'll never end. And that's how it is. So if he didn't lose tonight, or Saturday night, sorry, then he he, he goes on until he gets beat. So I think it was a it was a way you go out on your shield like he did and you go out looking to looking for glory. And I think that's 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 fine. He's he's always said as well for years that when his career was over, it was time for his wife to sort of not come into the limelight necessarily, but for her to basically be, to be given the time to do what she wants to do. She's brought up the family. She's had to watch him obviously go through his career. He doesn't feel like a man. It doesn't sound like a man who has any intention of going back on his decision. And his wife even tweeted, you know, I, I wanted him to stop a long time ago. Glad it's done. Yeah, it was. Um, I don't know if you saw the series that Chris Lloyd put together um, on his Inside Fighting, and amazing series. But one of the bits had he actually interviewed um, Carl's little daughter, Carla. Um, I don't know how old she is. You know, she can't be older than ten, but she was just saying that she can't wait for him to retire, uh, and that's going to be hard for you know. That's going to be hard for him to hear because it's like Barry said. You've got all of that. You all of that that you're sacrificing, and then at the end of it, you're just there getting getting punched hard in the face you know it's not like he's doing something in, you know he's then he's doing all that to then do the hardest thing in the world so I think you're right I think that because he's got that such a strong you know foundation back home and things to do and he appreciates the sacrifices that his wife's made for him and that he's you know he's made money for them and he's provided all of that was for them so I think you're right that that will then He'll say, right now, I've done. They've done their bit in supporting me. Now, now I'll I'll st- stick to my promise, sort of thing. And he did. It's not like he was shy about coming forward about this being his last fight if he lost. And he's spoken a lot about retirement, which sometimes is a bad sign. I think I think you're absolutely bang on that. There's so much that he feels like he owes to his wife and to his kids, and that he really wants that time back. Just listening to him in the ring yesterday, heartbreaking. You know, you know him saying, "I've missed them growing up," and that, you know, never get that time back and stuff, which is true. But now it's his chance to go, you know, actually, I've done my bit. I've made my name, my legacy, won world titles, made loads of money. 
now it's you know family time which is i think i think you're right that that will be the thing that keeps him from ever coming back this is a bit of a a, a knotty question but i'm going to ask it anyway so so Kyle said towards the end of his career, when he was with Jamie Moore and Nigel Travis, he was at his happiest, despite winning the you know his world titles with Shane McGuigan. Somebody on, on Twitter said yesterday, if he'd still been with Shane McGuigan, he would have been able to get inside Helen's jab and do much more damage. Right? Do you agree? I, I I don't. I'm not saying that Shane McGuigan's a better trainer than Jamie Moore, or vice versa, because you know you're only as good as your fighter. Ultimately, however good of however good a trainer you are, the fighter makes you, and that's just a fact. I don't, I, I, and, and I know trainers won't like to hear that, but that's just the truth. You know, you can, you can polish her, as they would say. I'll leave that gap out. But you know, it's he's at the wrong stage of his career. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. I'll go through all these stupid sayings now. But you, you can't. You know, I just think he, he's as good. He, you can't reinvent the wheel with him. He is what he is, Cal Frampton. Now you can tweak him a little bit. But his feet are not as fast as they used to be. So he, so, you know, he can't get in the distance quick enough any, like he could before. And that's just that's just the way it is. And also that massive reach as well. Uh, the things that he uses to... Inti- what Cal Frampton does quite well is he, he reaches with that front foot. So he sits on the back foot, but he's stealing your space with the front foot. And then he slides in. And he's on you. you don't realise. You go, how did he get there? It's like he's jumped on you, but he hasn't. He's, he's doing subtle movements with that front foot. But you don't see it because he sat back. And then, but that didn't work. His head in. It couldn't work. He tried it one time. He got. He, he ended up over his front foot. And he got caught and wobbled. So, you know, it's just the size difference is too much. I don't think at this stage of his career, any trainer would have helped him. There's things you could have done, of course, but Heading's working. And, and what Declan said, Heron was surprisingly good inside for a guy with really long arms. You know, he whipped them in nice, and he, 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 he did better body work than Cal. That and so you know that that sort of tells the tale of how Cal would have gone on if they were in close. So I don't think he could have done anything. It's just he was at the wrong end of his career, a long, you no, know, not a brutal in like you know life changing career, but a, a, he had a hard career. He's been really hard fight, especially lately. You know, in the last few years, the Santa Cruz's and the Quig was a you know, was difficult ish, and and certainly you know the the Warren the fight was an absolute you know hell of a fight for both of them so you know, they put miles on the clock and sometimes you just can't dig in anymore and i think that's that was the case he couldn't find that extra gear and and if he did harry might have been too big and good for him anyway and that's just how it goes so i don't i don't think anyone would have done any different but the thing is everyone goes searching for stuff now and the thing with the internet now with 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 social media there's always someone to blame and there's no one to blame the guy was better and, and carl didn't make any excuses he was better than me on the night no, humble as humble as he is, a fantastic fighter. He, you know, as, as gracious as he is in, in in victory, as humble as he is in defeat. You should be interviewing Heron, he said, because I you know he was better than me on the night, and that was just how it is. How do you think you'd have got on against Carl? With me, mm. with Declan Taylor. I think Declan would have a good chance because of the reach. Yeah, I reckon <laughs> I could have kept him at, kept him at range. I think I think again, Cal's you no know, has a little bit of a problem in my because I'm I'm a bit taller and I was tall as Herring, but I'm a couple of inches taller and I, I'm like I, my arms are a bit longer than his. But ultimately, I think you know Cal at his best and me at my best. Then Cal beats me almost every time. That's fine because Cal was a fantastic fighter. You have to be honest about that. But he does he doesn't have it easy. But yeah, he, he probably would have known too much of me. I think he would have got inside me and and you know because I'm not a big puncher, he would have been willing to walk through some of those shots because he, which he's shown before. And I yeah, I think he would he probably would have worked me over. He wouldn't have stopped me, but I think he would have been he would have been a probably a conclusive winner over points, if I'm honest. But I think I would have got but then, you know, just to say it for the record, I think, you know, 
he would have walked onto one of the shots I, I hit Freitas down with and, and he wouldn't have recovered. So can we say that instead and forget about yeah. the other thing you just said? <laughs> it's, he, he, Carl, was, Carl, Carl was a fantastic fighter, one of Ireland's best. So, you know, to say for me to say that I would have, that I would have beat him, you know, every fighter thinks he can win. You, you can go into a fight, nothing and you can win. But I can sit back now and be honest about stuff and think I would have, he would have, he would have had an easy night, but yeah, he would have been too good for me. And I, and I would and again like like he was in defeat I would have gone I tried my best and he was too good. I feel bad. I feel like you should feel sorry for me. I just been beat by Carl Frampton. Who I never <laughs> uh, Declan, before we reflect on on Carl's career, a word on, on Jamel Herring. He's thirty five. You know we all talk about Carl's age and, and Carl getting on a bit, but Jamel's older. He now has to either vacate or, or face Shakur Stevenson. He did mention Oscar Valdez, but presumably that can't happen. I think there's been mention of going back up to lightweight. Do you think, well, I mean, I guess he could retire, but presumably he'll have at least one more. Do you think he vacates and goes up? Yeah, I think he will. I, I don't think the Stevenson fight is um, realistic or practical because of the trainers and stuff like that. I, I think he's going to, I think he's going to vacate and go up to lightweight because there was talk of that anyway. Um, he's obviously got the size to do it. Uh, he hasn't had that many fights, has he? Even though he's old. What was that? His 24th fight or something like that? Yeah. 25th? Um, I guess that's sort of a sign of the times though, isn't it? That, um, but he did start reasonably late, went to the Olympics, all that sort of stuff. So um, I think we'll see him at lightweight next. I, for me, I reckon that he'll be... He says the biggest win of his career. You know, nothing will take what he did. what he did away like a sixth round stoppage with Carl Frampton that is a that is really some going um I think yeah vacate move up have a big fight there make some money and yeah I think he you know he's so he's super fit and he's um he's obviously enjoying it you know and he's he's such a nice guy that I feel that he what I mean by that is he's clearly got his head screwed on I think it's going to be business decisions now from him um and I think going up I don't think I'm not sure fighting Shakur Stevenson is the right thing for him to do right now. I think going up at lightweight and going and finding a big fight there because there's not enough of them, um, and maybe winning another belt. Who knows? I mean, again, I underrated him yesterday. I didn't think he'd be as good as he was. I thought he boxed perfectly um, and got the stoppage in the end. You know, it was basically the picture perfect night for him. So I think yeah, that might be where he where he sort of ends his super featherweight chapter and moves up one. That's that's what I'd do anyway. I I sort of. Differ. I think that I think for his marketability, I think his title, you know, gives him that little bit of a yeah, that's true. Or do you want to face him otherwise? And I think Shakur Stevenson. I don't I, trainers. I don't know what the, what the thing is there, but either way, that that's a big name coming up for him. And I think that's a a, good, a fight where he could probably earn more money. Or the Valdez, they could probably get that Valdez unification. That's a big money fight. I don't think he gets the same money boxing at lightweight because he's going in with, as a challenger. I know, he, I know he'd be automatic so, yeah. number one at lightweight, of course, but the WBO was still, he's still going into challenger. So, you know, I just, I think that he'd be better off trying to stay, if he can make the way, if he can, if he struggles, the fact that he mentioned lightweight means that he's probably going to move up and didn't, didn't mention Shakur Stevenson. So I think if he doesn't get the power of this fight, he moves up. But again, you know, he looked, he looked better than I thought he was because I didn't think he was that, I thought he was good, but not that good. But he looked really good last night. I still don't see him beating any of the lightweights. That's that's the problem he has. So, you know, sometimes the fight that makes the title, sometimes the title makes the fighter. And I think for him, that title 
gives him a little bit of power. Without that, he doesn't have any pulling power, and he's going to every 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 fight then with a begging ball, pretty much. So I would think if he can make the weight, I would stay keep that title and try and earn off it. That's that would be my advice. Then you can always move up and blame the weight for the loss, like like a lot of fighters do. Don't ever don't ever admit you've got beat. It's it's um it's the thing is with lightweight though. There's sort of we don't really know what's going to happen there because we don't know how long Lopez is going to hang around. We don't know if the belt's going to fracture. And if he does go up one, he gets first crack here and stuff. So that's why I feel like, and I think you're right about the weight. I just feel like, I think he's got to that stage where he's like, I just don't want to do this weight again. Yeah. I don't want to do this weight again. But um, the fact that it's the WBO might help that decision. But I think actually you're right that keeping the belt, is got, who, who's going to want to fight him? Big Southpaw doesn't really, you know, hasn't got that much pulling power. Um, yeah, I think that's the thing. He's not a name, is he? That's the no. oh, as much as we we know him now. But he's not he's not a name in 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 the the world the, the the bigger climate and stuff. Especially in the lightweight division, he he, he you know if they if they do stay around, he's he's not on, he's not on anyone's lips of, of of the guys facing each other. To be fair, yeah. he would never. Carl Frampton would never have boxed him if he hadn't got if he didn't have a title, would he? Jamal no. would never be fighting in that. So I, I'm right. You're wrong. Okay, thanks. Move yeah, on. <laughs> as ever of course so in terms of Carl Frampton's career there's plenty of memories I mentioned the, the rivalries he had with Martinez with Quigg with Santa Cruz and then of course with Josh Warrington towards the, the end of his career Declan you followed him I assume for the vast majority of it what are your abiding memories? Um, well the Belfast nights were unbelievable obviously um the Windsor Park one, it wasn't quite the occasion that he wanted. It, I mean, it absolutely rained the whole night. And he, it, he only, he only bought, I mean, no disrespect to Luke Jackson, but he boxed Luke Jackson that night. And it was supposed to be a big, big fight. Um, and it wasn't. Jackson was just not in his league. And it was a pretty re, a routine win. But, you know, it was a tick. New York tick. Vegas tick. Like, all he did, he did it all. The crazy thing, I think, the, the night when he won the world title at the um, Titanic quarters, coldest night ever in history for anyone who was there. Just unbelievable. Um, but the, that occasion and the fans uh, in all of his fights that in, in Belfast, to be fair, was insane, really. And there's not many others who have done it in his generation or will do it from now on. It doesn't happen all the time. It's always just this little um, sort of combination of things. And we see it every now and again. We see it with Josh Warrington. We see it with Ricky Hatton. You know, it's just... Not everyone can do it. And for some reason, he did. And he brought the city together. He'd done unbelievable things for, for Ireland. The crazy thing, and I just was thinking about his career, is when you really think about it, when he beat Santa Cruz for the, the first time, when he beat him, you know, he had the world at his feet, everything. It was, you know, he was the man. If you look back now from that moment, he actually had some of the worst luck. And some, obviously, he lost the rematch. You know, the guy he was supposed to box fell over in the shower that time. The, the ornament fell on his hand. He had mad hand problems. He had this unbelievable legal battle and dispute with, with people who had become like family to him, all going on in the background. It was just, the, but even so, we still remember him as this great fighter who had this unbelievable career. But actually, he's had it, been up against it for the last five years. Imagine he didn't, you know, he had a bit of better luck and stuff. It just... It's, it's unbelievable what he managed to achieve amid such adversity. And I've got to say, as a journalist, one of the best boxers, one of the most media-friendly 
as much as a sort of lame term that sounds, but he really was such a good guy, such unbelievable integrity. You know, he would never be a diva, anything like that. The mad thing as well, you just look on Twitter and it doesn't happen very often. There's not anyone's got a bad word to say about him. And that just says it all. Um, I think we'll remember, he'll be remembered far more fondly in a few years' time, which often happens with boxers. But like history will look back on him as a great. He's definitely in the conversation for Ireland's best ever. Um, and what a career. And like I said, if you look at a tick list, if you're a young, if you're an amateur now, 15-year-old amateur thinking, this is what I want to achieve in my career, and you wrote a list, he's done every single one of them. It's interesting that you mentioned the sort of bad luck and, and bad things that have happened. When he, when he spoke last night, he did say, boxing has been great to me, but it's also been bad to me, which I thought was quite telling. Uh, and perhaps that alludes to, well, certainly the, the court case, I'm sure it was very draining over several years. Uh, and you're right, the last few years have been up and down, let's say. It was, I thought it was an interesting way for him to, to phrase it. Yeah, I, I think I think you're right that... Um... I'm not even sure it's just about litigation and the fact that it was draining and stuff. I think it was more the, the connection that he had with with his old tra- well with the McGuigans really. And we see, you know, we saw the documentary and stuff where he's at the wedding. You know, the unbelievable bond that they'd forged over the years and what they achieved together and stuff like that. And as much as anything else, as much as the legal battle and everything else that happened with the finances and whatever else, it's all out in the open anyway. Just that feeling of loss and of disconnection and of bitterness and anger and stuff just to deal with that as a human i think is going to be tough and then to do it as a boxer and have to then go and press on with your career and try and achieve again it might i mean it's just unbelievable trying to even contemplate what that must have done for him um, and i think that's what he was getting at um but again look at look what he said he's like boxing has been good to me and it's been bad to me it's just like what he said in the ring he's got an unbelievable view and uh, perspective on things and i think that showed in his in his interviews and i think he'll that's why his he's going to be successful now. Now that boxing's finished, or at least competing in boxing's finished, whatever he does now is going to be success. I think people forget with boxers is you box from a kid. Most boxers box from a child, so it's always been a sport to you all your life. Even now, it's a sport. It's, it's, you can't get out your head and say it's a sport. They also, people say, "Oh, it's a business. It's a business," but they've they've learned that they've learned that from people like Floyd Mayweather and stuff. It's just it's a sport to you. So you do, you've done it for the love and for the ambition and to win things and achieve stuff. And that's what it is. But when money comes involved, it soils it slightly. It, it makes it look more frustrating. And, and so you have a love-hate relationship with boxing. We all do. Whatever, no, we all, every, every boxer you speak to, however successful they've been, have got a little hard luck story. Some, you know, We just think the ones who didn't earn loads of money, you've got the, the hard luck stories. But sometimes the, the ones who earn loads of money, like I said earlier on, nothing's good enough. So Carl thinking how good a career he had, and most of us would trade. Would I took cut the limb off to have Carl's career, but he's thinking mine could have been better. As Declan said, if you know, if all those things wouldn't have happened, and you you said Martin, you know, all those cases and things that have gone on wouldn't have stalled his career at times. He would he could achieve more or achieved it earlier on. But he had some great nights. That that night in in the in the Titanic quarter, that that was you know the walk from the hotel. To that outdoor, that purpose-built outdoor arena that was built just for that fight, was amazing. It felt like the whole of Belfast. They, they weren't. Felt like the whole of Belfast was walking with you. It was just unbelievable. It was freezing cold. I got to say that night, Tony Bella was working for the radio. I was working for the for the TV. Tony Bella was working for the radio. He had a T-shirt on. It was so cold. It was June, man. It was so cold. Like we were getting people from the trucks 
bringing coats in to put on us for commentary. It was so cold. And Tony Bell was there with a little skinny T-shirt on, just like like it was like a summer's night. But it was, and I thought he was he was punch perfect that night. He was flawless in his performance. And to win a world title at home, he got some great memories. You know, to pick that world title up in in your home city is something we all wish we could do in outdoors and 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 a stadium of your choice, which we obviously Windsor Park. That you no, know, they can go to America and, and box at you no know, real good fighter like Santa Cruz and have a war and win. You no, know, it, it it's it's memories. You know, the, the older he gets, the more he'll be. They'll be fun. He'll remember it more fondly, and he'll he'll slowly forget about the other stuff. He'll forget about all the bad stuff, which that, that sort of happens. But yeah, he'll. But he's gonna walk in. He's he's he, you know, he knows the sport inside and out. He's a great talker. He's media friendly, as Declan said. You've never heard anyone with a bad word about him. He's walking. I know BT want him, really want him. So he'll walk into a job with BT. I wouldn't be surprised if he's doing their next show. So all this staying at home and then his wife have have a have a life now is absolutely rubbish because he's going to go on and do all this media stuff and he'll be busier than ever now. That's that'll be the difference. They all want him. He'll be doing this podcast next week and I'll be gone. And, and, that's, <laughs> and that's how it'll be. And listen, do you know what? He deserves it all because he earned it the hard way. You know, people forget you know, as much as you've had success and earned lots of money. No one gets up at five o'clock in the morning for you running. No one takes the punches. Forget about the fight, inspiring, and all the injuries you have to train through and postponements and all the all the stuff that goes through your mind. No one else gets through that. You do it. So, you no, know, if if you if you're successful through going through all that hardship, you deserve all the rewards after. I think I think people as well forget or underrate the Scott Quigg thing because we, it's sort of just, because it was such a one-sided fight in the end, and it was such a comfortable victory for Frampton eventually but that was huge at the time I remember yeah. like that the build-up was ridiculous the the I remember just in terms of work media work that I was getting the interest from papers and from everywhere was colossal and he just went and did a job um on Quig it was a great performance and it wasn't the big war that everyone expected because Frampton was so good and so much better and such a perfectly boxed game plan it was it was great and I think that was when him and Shane McGuigan were at that best but saying that I I think we have got to give credit to Jamie Moore and Nigel Travis as well because because of all that had happened with Frampton, he had lost the love for the sport, clearly. I mean, he could have quite easily retired at that point. And like you said, Martin, that he, he's come out and said how happy he was. And I think that was they got hold of him and they said, Look, you still there's there's something left there that you know you can still you've still got something to give to this sport and you can't walk away from it now because you'll be so unfulfilled. And they you know, they work well with him. You just have to look at those documentaries to see the the sort of spirit that they gave him and how much he enjoyed himself. They say that he's made some good money in the last couple of years as well. So full credit to them. Um, and I think it's unfair for people to be like, well, you know, if he had McGuigan in his corner, he would have got done better because it's just it's just impossible to say. I think the fact that they managed to get hold of him, get him boxing again um, and winning and in a position where he could go for a world title in a third weight, massive hats off to them. Um, and and yeah, I think they would have they would have learned a lot and uh, grown a lot from the involvement of Frampton as well in their team. It seems strange to think about now because we're so accustomed to you know often with an Olympic cycle we have we're, we're sort of told about these fighters very early in their careers. They're thrust onto the stage. They're on pay per views very early. But I remember this would be going back ten years when when Frampton was with Matchroom in the early stages. They were so excited about him but he wasn't really known it was sort of like this behind the scenes really secret thing like we've got the next star and there's something quite endearing now I suppose to look back on that 
because it was true. You know, he did obviously go on to, to be so good, but it's just something that we don't see very often now because we're just, everyone's everywhere. You know, social media was around, but not quite as in our face. And I just remember them being so excited about this this young man from, from Northern Ireland, of course, with them. Uh, comparing him to Barry McGuigan and, and things like that, it was it's been a really a good story uh, from day one. And I think Barry, you tweeted it in the week, and, and Declan, you've just said it. You can't find anyone that has a bad word to say. I think you're right, Barry, about the media, but there's plenty of it to go around uh, if that's indeed what he wants to do. And, and I think in time, well, not just in time, but from now, and in his legacy will only grow. I think as we get further and further away from from retiring. I think I think the only the only man in boxing in boxing at the moment, British boxing, who similarly uh, is sort of exclusively loved and not a single word of hate is Barry Jones. Yeah. The only man who, who can sort of bring the boxing Twitter together is Barry Jones. I tell you what, I tweeted that about Frampton. I wish I wouldn't I wish I didn't. I didn't I didn't do him any favours at all. You got all the crack all the, all the crack jobs go, well we don't like him and, and, and but yeah. I think in the box I think in the boxing community, that's what I sort of meant. The people who actually have met him and have seen him have worked around him or for his fights. As much, whether you think he's going to win, I didn't think he was going to win Saturday, and I was hoping I was wrong. He proved me wrong before, but I so much respect for him as a person. I don't know him very; he's not my best friend or anything. But what I know him as a person, you want to fight him for. I mean, you want to fight him for a start. So he won't look, look along my arms at you. There's so long you can't even see him on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> but my chin, my chin couldn't take it. Um, no, everything about him as a fighter. You know, the way he put the way he conducts himself in the ring, outside the ring. As a human being, he seems like a, just a lovely guy, and he's a man of the people. Like a lot of like, that's why they were Matthew was so excited about him because the McGuigan effect, especially from Belfast, being a man of the people is such an important thing, keeping you grounded. If he was from another city or another part of the world, he probably wouldn't be so grounded, and he and he probably would have gone to his head. But the fact that Belfast is such a working class environment, really, you know, the real real people where they only you get above your set your station. I think that kept him grounded, and, and and he was a man of the people, and it grew, and it grew very quickly. It really did. But you've got to be good to do it, mm. and that's you don't forget that all that building a fight that up outside the ring is very important. But if he can't fight, it's all irrelevant. And one thing Carl could do, he could fight. Absolutely, and that I think is a good place to leave it. That is all from Carl Frampton. That is all from us for this week. We'll be back next Sunday to look back on Conor Ben's latest outing as he takes on Samuel Vargas. Until then, do take care.